Well, hello, everyone. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. Welcome to another edition of Business Casual, our weekly podcast featuring my co-host, Maria Wickbilla, the founder of Applicant Lab and Caroline D.R.T. Edwards, the co-founder of Fortuna Admissions and the former director of admissions at NCOT. You know, every year, a massive number of international students fall into the MBA applicant pool. They apply to schools all over the world, Europe, Canada, United States, to come many for the very first time outside their own home countries to experience graduate school. And I want to devote this episode of Business Casual to what that is like. And not only what it's like, but how do you do it? I mean, it's sort of daunting to leave your home country, particularly for the first time, and to go somewhere where you know no one, uh, somewhere where you've never been before, because in fact, one of the problems in choosing a business school outside your home country right now is in the middle of a pandemic, it's not so easy to hop on a plane and sample the culture, meet with current students, visit a campus, walk the hallways and get a real feel for what it would be like. Now you're kind of going blind. So I wonder, you know, with your clients who are from outside the U.S., what is it like? How do you prepare them? What do you tell them to get themselves kind of familiar with what they're likely anticipate? Caroline? Well, I think an important part of it, especially right now, is to talk to as many people as you can. So current students and alumni about about the culture of the school and, and about you know, whether that's the right fit for you and if that, that community resonates with you. It's unfortunate that you can't visit because I still think, you know, there is no replacement really for actually getting on campus and soaking up the culture and that that getting that gut feel when you're True. there physically and thinking, is this where I really want to be? And is this the right community? Is this the right environment and the whole feel of the place? But obviously that's not an option right now for, for most people. So in view of that, I would say have as many conversations as, as you can and really get to know not just the, you know, the program, the academics, the, the um, career path that will open up to you, the recruiters and all of that, which is, you know, critically important, but also the community aspects and, uh, you know, the, the student body. Is it in, in quite an international student body? If you're an international student, most likely you'll feel more comfortable in a school where there is a large percentage of international students. And that type of school also tends to attract Amongst the domestic population, people who are more internationally minded because they also want to be in a classroom with other people from other countries and learn from them. So, you know, look at the makeup of the student body and, and think about, you know, whether that's a good fit for you. Because it is nice to, you know, obviously you'll make friends with people from, from you know, all different backgrounds. And that's part of going to business schools. You don't want to just, you know, if you're Mexican, you don't want to go to business school at Harvard just to hang out with the other Mexicans, right? <laughs> but it's nice to have a few people who are from your home culture and who you can hang out with sometimes and, you know, enjoy the food and just, you know, have that bonding experience with people who think the same way that you do. So I think it's nice to have that balance of getting to know people and making good friends with people from very different backgrounds and countries and cultures, but also having a few people around who really understand the way that you think and where you're coming from. And to your point, Caroline, about talking to people, I think every school would be very helpful to a candidate to say, hey, 
check out the alums from our school in your own country who have already been through this experience. Mm. And every school should be able to give you a half dozen names of alumni who are now back in their home countries who experienced exactly what you're about to sign up for. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I would say that I think sometimes candidates are too hesitant to reach out to alumni or to current students because they don't know them, right? And they maybe have no common connection at all. Um, but usually students and alumni are very happy to talk with someone who is you know, a serious candidate who's really trying to get to know the community. They will understand that you don't have the opportunity right now to go and visit the school. So in most cases, you know, if you ask them, could I have 10, 10 minutes of your time to chat on the phone and learn about your experience? In most cases, they'll be delighted to tell you about their experience at the school, right? Who doesn't like talking about themselves? True. Um, so I think sometimes candidates are too reticent about doing that. And I would encourage them to just put themselves out there and reach out to people. Maria, do you have any pointers? Y- yeah. I mean, I think one thing is if you don't already know any students there, most schools have clubs devoted sp- specifically to students from Latin America, students from India. So even if you're, if you don't have any current friends there, that's totally fine. As Caroline said, just reach out to them. I also think the pandemic has given an opportunity in some ways, while you cannot visit campus, a lot of the conferences that are usually held on campus, say a women's business conference or, you know, the sports analytics conference at MIT, I, a lot of those had to go online this year because of the pandemic. And so in fact, while you can't visit the campus, you know, you can at least, you know, it's it's offered an opportunity for people in very different geographies to attend these conferences, at least, that are put on by the different schools and get to know some students that way. So I know we're, you know, we're in March right now, so we're we're rapidly approaching the end of the school year, but there still may be a few uh, scheduled that people might be able to find. Now, I know that both of you have a lot of international clients and have had many over the course of the years that you've been involved in MBA admissions. So I wonder if you might talk a little bit about what is life in business school like for international students? What surprises them? What's been challenging? How do they even determine what school is right for them? Maria, you have do's and don'ts. <laughs> I mean, well, I think the most shocking thing is uh, it, depending on the strength of the economy that they are coming from, the most shocking thing I think is cost, not just cost of tuition, but cost of living, cost of renting a dorm room, cost of groceries, cost of food. I think that that for for people from countries where the currency may not be as strong, that is, I think, is usually the most shocking thing. And I, the clients that I have had in the past who are who are, have the happiest MBA experiences are the ones that don't obsess over every penny and nickel. And they just say, look, I'm going to take out, I'm, I'm making a, an investment and I'm taking a risk on myself. And yes, a $200,000 loan is could buy me several houses in my home country. But <laughs> you know, if it's a STEM certified program, I know I can work for three years in the US. If I try to get a high paying job, I can make a real dent in that. And so the people that I, I think in terms of the cost just sort of say it is what it is. And I will, I'm not saying to go out and, and spend the money, you know, in a silly way and take your student loan money and buy a BMW. But the people who sort of say like, look, I'm, I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to take out this loan and I'm just going to Im- just not think about it and enjoy every moment of my MBA experience. I think those folks come out the other side, having yeah. really enjoyed themselves. And, and, and truth be told, for many international students, what they're basically signing up for is more than an MBA. 
So when you have to look at that sticker price, and it may scare you at first, you know you're also buying essentially migration into a, a workforce very different than the, your home country. So it's it's like a, a two thing, two bangs for your buck, right? You're getting a great MBA education. You're getting a network of people who will support and encourage you, but you're also getting a job in a different country in many cases. And that's, that's part of the bargain as well. Caroline, what do you think most surprises international students who go off either to Europe or the U.S. for the MBA? Well, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with Maria that the, the cost can be a big part of it. Otherwise, you know, there can be a culture shock when, when you go to a different country. So I think you know, it, can be, it can be tough if you haven't spent significant time in that country before. So arriving early can be useful. So you, you can sort of get to know your environment and, and sort of acclimate yourself to, to the, the, the town and get to know your way around and, 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 you know, get really comfortable in your surroundings. And I think it helps to have a plan to know ahead you know, what are the things that you really want to devote your time to and how, how are you going to get involved in the community? So figure out ahead of time which clubs you want to get involved in, you know, what activities you're going to be involved in and, you know, throw yourselves into those because it's often in, in those contexts that you'll build really strong relationships. You know, also with your teammates in the classroom and so on, but it's often in a more social context that you will start to find, you know, your tribe at business school. So I think, you know, having that plan ahead of time, because there's so many opportunities, right? I mean, going to business school is like drinking from a fire hose. There's so many different clubs and activities and societies and the treks and leadership opportunities that you could get involved with and and you can't do everything. So figuring that out ahead of time. And then also, as you said, a lot of international students are looking to make a geographical move in their career and figuring that out can be more stressful than for domestic students. So anything that you can do to plan your job search ahead of time, begin networking, prepare your resume, you know, research your target companies, anything that you can do to get a step ahead with that before you start the program, you'll save yourself a lot of time and, and probably some stress as well. And incidentally, you know, today I had the opportunity to speak to a number of international students that are graduating this year. Two of them already have job offers from McKinsey, one from Amazon. So all three, and they were from India, Turkey, and Brazil, all three landed great jobs in the U.S. I'm not going to say without difficulty, but uh, here we are in mid-March. They accepted their offers months ago, in fact. So that's that's always a really good sign. The other thing I, I think that's an important point to remember is that when you go to Europe or the United States or Canada to school, while you are going to a different country, you also are going to a place that has been trying to attract international student perspectives all the time, right? To add diversity of thought, people, culture, and backgrounds to the classroom. And so you're going to experience your tribe in business school that will be very different than maybe what that society is even like, because I think you're going to, you're going to enter a progressive place where people are all like-minded, smart, ambitious, and want you to be there. So you're going to be very welcome, regardless of whether you go to the United Kingdom and you hear about Brexit, or you go to the United States and you heard about all the anti-immigration rhetoric from a, a former president who no longer resides in the White House, I might add. 
Uh, <laughs> but when you visit a college campus, it's, it's a totally different environment and you're going to be interacting with people who love different cultures and different backgrounds and different ideas. It, it is a real melting pot that, that is almost unique. And I, and I think a lot of people might, you know, particularly during the Trump era, they'd look at the United States and say, oh, my goodness, I might not even be welcome there. Well, the, tr- the truth is that uh, you're not going to be, you know, <laughs> planted on a lawn with a Trump flag on it. You're going to be in a very progressive community of people who want you there, who are going to befriend you, who will be among your most enduring friends over a lifetime. Maria, how does one choose, however, a school that they can't actually visit right now. I mean, how, how do you gain this sense that, yeah, you know, I can really belong here. I can be a part of this community. How do you, how do you get that when you can't actually step foot on the campus? Well, I think, yeah, we mentioned before reaching out to students. And I think depending on how quickly, for example, those students get back to you, that can be a real a real indicator of the culture of a campus, right? Sometimes you'll reach out to a student ambassador and you'll get an email back in 15 minutes. Sometimes you'll reach out to a student ambassador and you'll never hear back. So right off the bat, I think sometimes you can start to get a sense of just the culture in terms of its friendliness and supportiveness if you reach out to different clubs and depending on how responsive people are. And then I think if all else is equal, then I would really look at the career outcomes and the career placements and whether or not a program is STEM certified. Uh, really, you know, a lot, most of the good news is that most of the top programs have nearly identical career outcomes, but there are variations or perhaps one school has a healthcare concentration and another one has a real estate concentration. So if, if you're on the fence about various schools, that's where I would invest my attention. Right. You know, I also think another interesting thing about choosing a school, if you're an international applicant, is, you know, everyone knows London and Paris and New York and Chicago and San Francisco. And when I say everyone knows, what I mean is that they kind of know what to expect in a big urban environment. But then when you go to a Cambridge or an Oxford, or you go to a Hanover, New Hampshire, or Ann Arbor, Michigan, or Chapel Hill in North Carolina, or Charlottesville in Virginia, you kind of you kind of don't know what to expect. So, so Caroline, what would you tell people about going to a school that's outside a big urban center? Well, I, I think you can learn a lot from speaking to people in the community about what it's like to live there, right? And it, it's great to have those conversations. And it's an important consideration to think about what sort of environment do you want to be in? Do you want to be in an urban environment, you know, the New York or the London, to, to have that um, sort of melting pot experience of being in a very cosmopolitan city and all the buzz and, you know, and the networking opportunities that come with that? Or um, conversely, do you want to be in, in a small town where often there's a close-knit community in, in the student body because people don't have the same socializing opportunities outside of the school. And, you know, that, that often creates a, a, a very sort of special culture in in the student community. So it is a very, very different experience. And I think that's an important consideration for anyone before they think about applying. But yes, if you're sitting in New Delhi, India, trying to figure out, you know, would I enjoy living in Ann Arbor, Michigan can be challenging. So 
you've got you've got to speak to as many people as you can and a lot of information is available on not, uh, online now and also look at the climate right <laughs> i mean some people might have a have a climate shock moving from you know certainly india to to ann arbor could be a, a, a tough transition <laughs> for some <laughs> so you know all of those things can can actually impact your experience if, if that's important to you the other thing is, you know, college towns are great places to get an education. There's no doubt about it, right? I mean, one of the disadvantages of going into a big urban center, uh, like in New York or Boston, Chicago, London, is that it's very easy to get swept up in a big city. And it's, it's harder for the students to have as strong a bond with each other than when you're, frankly, isolated in one place, no other place to go. And you're all bound together in Hanover, New Hampshire, through the winter snowy months to the beautiful fall and, and the wonderful spring, or Chapel Hill or Charlottesville as well. Uh, the, these, these places are uh, frankly magical, I, I find, because, you know, you, you still have a very vibrant young community with which to play in and have fun in. And yet they're cozy and they can be charming and they can be incredibly welcoming. And if you have a family, I spoke to one woman who is a mother who brought her child and her cat from Turkey to Ann Arbor. And, you know, it was perfect for her. She would have been a, a city environment actually for her would have been more of a difficult transition, particularly with a daughter, than a college town that totally welcomed her. Now, I know Maria went to Boston. I did. It was very cold, and I <laughs> did not enjoy that aspect of it one bit. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, do you sing the praises of college towns, Maria? So so yeah. So one of the one of the things I wanted to to add on to that point about the college towns is that when when I went to visit Tuck once, one of their admissions officers made a really good point, which is nobody is really from Hanover, New Hampshire. So when everyone gets to the campus, all of you are pretty much brand new. And so that creates almost a clean slate from which to start forming those friendships, apart from the fact that you're going to be trapped inside during those those winter months. Uh, but also just the fact that people don't have existing roots there. So if you do go to a school in New York, and a lot of the students are from New York, and they've been working in New York, and they grew up in New York, they might have their own social circle, their own outside of business school set of friends that they disappear to hang out with on the weekends. Uh, and so I think that that's, that was an interesting point about the, the praises of the college town. I am personally not a college town person. I am definitely a city girl, but I can see, you know, I also think the benefit of a college town is that you don't have as many distractions. And so you can focus more on studying. I think if people might, if they know themselves very well, and if they know that if they go to New York, they're just going to end up going to jazz clubs every night till three in the morning and not actually studying, <laughs> maybe going to a smaller uh, place might be a boon. Yeah. Or you're going to live in apartments all over the city and not in one place. And you, obviously, if you're in one place, you're going to bump into your classmates uh, far more often and you're going to create deeper friendships with them in general. Okay. We're only speaking about this in generalities. Of course, you can have a very different experience if you want it, even in an urban environment. So, I mean, the obvious thing is what we've seen already in this admissions round, anecdotally at least, is a very big increase in uh, international applications, in part because the Trump administration is gone. And obviously, there were a series of restrictive policies 
enacted by the Trump administration that turned a lot of international students away from the U.S. In fact, Europe and Canada in the past four years saw uh, generally significant increases in international applicants while there were declines in the U.S. We think it's going to be uh, a different story here under Biden. Do you agree with that, Caroline? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's the case. I, I think it's, you know, thank God things are, are changing and it'll be much easier for people to envisage staying, spending two, two years in the US and then potentially staying here afterwards for work. So, so that's great news because business schools are a huge source of talent for, for the US, right? Bringing people into the country has um, had huge, been a huge value add to the economy. Um, I would also just like to add something from, from the sort of international school perspective that, you know, if you're an international student, going to a U.S. school can be quite a different experience to going to an international school. And if you're thinking about, you know, how do you fit in and the environment and the community aspect, going to a school like, and of course, I have to put in my plug for INSEAD or, or London Business School or, you know, Oxford, Cambridge, HSA, et cetera, those international schools that have no dominant culture that can be a very welcoming environment for an international candidate because, or an international student because you don't feel this sort of weight of a local culture because there is no dominant culture in the classroom, right? It's yet a London Business School, you know, typically less than 10% of any individual nationality in the classroom. So that creates an environment where every culture is completely equal. There is no sense of you know, them and us, international, non-international, domestic, everyone is basically international in those schools. So that is, it's a different experience versus being in the US classroom. And I also remember talking to, you know, faculty who have taught at schools like INSEAD and have taught at schools in the US. And what they like about the international schools is that incredible diversity of perspective and everyone feels empowered to express their opinions in, in a way that they might not always do in a, in a sort of American-dominated environment where there's sometimes a bit of groupthink, right? If you've got a dominant culture, it's very difficult to avoid groupthink. And in an international classroom where you've got people from literally all over the world, there is no dominant group to have groupthink. So, so that can create a much more dynamic discussion and also sometimes a much more challenging discussion, also challenging for the faculty to manage sometimes. I bet. Now, clearly, Caroline, you chose a truly international experience yourself in getting your uh, MBA at NCAD. Mm. Maria, you chose not to go abroad for your MBA education. Why? Well, I had I was living abroad at the time that I Oh, so you, applied, you did so. the reverse commute. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I had been living in, in Hong Kong for a few years at the time That's of right. applying. So no, I mean, I also, I wanted to get back to the US. I wanted to be closer to my family who are on, who were on the East Coast at the time. So there were a number of also not just school pedag pedagogical reasons, but also personal reasons as well. So nothing, nothing yeah. deep or mysterious. <laughs> and I think Caroline does make a really good point. Look, there is no U.S. school that is as international as the best European schools. In fact, I think that's one of the problems with the Asian business schools. As good as they are becoming, they still are dominated by single cultures in, in really big and strong ways. Very little diversity in general, the Asian schools. But the European schools, uh, really, you know, the DNA is 
is remarkably diverse and international in ways that no U.S. school can be. On the other hand, I think that there are a lot of other factors that might draw someone to the U.S., including the fact of experience what jungle capitalism really is like, right? I mean, that cutthroat competitive world that exists in America that everyone looks askance at, but everyone wants to experience. Well, you can come to the United States and see what it's like to be in a jungle capitalist society. <laughs> Starting with the three of us. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> right. Uh, to, and, and, you know, it is to experience uh, a very large and very dynamic economy and how that plays out. There are lessons there for, for a lot of people who then might go back to their native countries the innovation that occurs in the United States in the business world is remarkable. And I know there are many MBAs who return to their home countries and simply adopt an innovation that they saw in business in the U.S. that doesn't exist in their country, and they can make a, a livelihood out of it, which is really fascinating. But there's no doubt that you come to U.S. school and uh, predominantly two-thirds of your classmates are going to be from the United States. You go to a European school and you're right, maybe 10%, if that, would be from a home country. Totally different experience. So I think that the cultural openness of the U.S. and Europe in particular can be great for female students from other countries in particular that may have cultures that are less you know, open to women having positions of power. I think that some of the personal transformations that I witnessed in my classmates who were from countries you know, in other parts of the world where women may not have as much respect when they came to the U.S., and I'm sure this would be the same if they were to go to, to Europe as well, seeing the sort of empowerment and the respect that women can get, I think, was a very eye-opening experience for them as well. So I would, if you're currently in a culture where you feel that your gender is causing you to miss out on opportunity, I, I also think that experiencing, a, not that we're like totally equal here in the U.S. or Europe, but at least it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more open. And so I think that can be a really transformative part of the experience as well. That's a really good point. And it's uh, crucial because you're also going to see role models, right? More likely to see female role models in Europe and the United States, among your classmates, among the alumni, among the faculty, among the administrators, because it is, these are much more open cultures, even though we're not where we need to be. Agreed. So I, I, what I love about this is, hey, if you're going to go and get a graduate education, uh, this is a wonderful time to experience a new culture, a new country, new people. And you've got lots of choices, whether you go to Atchise, Paris, whether you go to to NCIAD and Fontainebleau or in uh, Singapore, where you have that option, whether you go to London or whether you come to San Francisco and go to Berkeley or LA, which is Maria's territory and go to UCLA or USC or an Ann Arbor or a Chapel Hill or a Charlottesville and experience uh, a college town in the United States or a college town in London in the uh, United Kingdom, Cambridge and Oxford. Beautiful, beautiful uh, cities to explore and to study and to have a lot of fun in, I think. Well, there you have it. So if you are an international student out there, know that it's a good time to go. And 
know that you will be welcome and accepted and embraced and you will be a key part of the culture and have a lot to contribute. And that's what it's all about. So Maria and Caroline, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and wisdom on this topic. This is John Burton with Parts and Quads. You've been listening to Business Casual, our weekly podcast.